It is good to be with you today. If we have not had the chance to meet, my name is Kurt. I serve as lead pastor here. And I am so glad that you're with us. Man, can you tell we're trying to just issue fall in? We've kind of got the oranges. We're like cooler temperatures. It's not 100 degrees anymore. I want to remind us there are seasons. While we, don't, we live in, in a place with two seasons, but in the world there are seasons. In our lives there are seasons. It's good to be with you. Before we get too far, I want to read to you something that we have written and we've placed on social media. I just want to cheer. If you are not on social media, can we cheer for you? Can we cheer for people who have... If you are not there, we bless you. It is good. But this is just a place that um, I had the chance to write something. Um, today is one of those days that um, comes with a significant moment of remembrance for a major event in history. It's September 11th. And maybe you hadn't really thought about it today, but I just want to read to you what we wrote in light of today, in light of a day where um, many of you can remember exactly where you were. Um, I, just, I just want you to hear our heart, because this applies to the event of today, and this also applies to at least one or more events of your own story. And I just, as we move into the text today, we're launching a new series today called Faith at Work, and, and I just think it's so important that we, we have to continue to anchor our lives in the life of God and the heart of God. There are days and events that call us to a posture of remembrance. A humility of heart where our only cry is, Lord, have mercy. This is one of those days. For you, yesterday might have been one of those days. And so we join with the heart of God and we choose to lament. We choose to lament. To grieve. And we mourn with those who mourn. Today, we continue to join with the church all over the globe, and we pray the prayer that we've already prayed, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that prayer, it gives us permission to say there are things that are not yet the way God intends them to be. When we pray that prayer, we join with the ministry of Jesus on the cross and we say, come and redeem, come and make whole, come and enter into our story. And we let it come really close to our own lives. And we learn the way of lament, and we learn the way of grief, and we learn the way of mourning, because there are things we experience that are not the way they're supposed to be. And we believe the God of Scripture 
meets us with presence in that place. That that's actually the heart of God. That God laments things and it grieves his heart and we as the church get to live that life here embodied. And so if you're here today and your heart aches, you do not need to dismiss it in faith. You do not need to avoid it. But we want to welcome the presence of the living God right into our stories. And then we become a people who welcome the presence of God into places, into history, as a people who will, will remember. And so today, feel freedom to remember. Feel freedom to lament and to mourn with those who mourn. Is it just me or can you sort of feel like a weightiness to that? That's good. It's God's presence here and with us today. Do you ever feel like it's just sort of sometimes really hard to figure out how faith actually works? Like how does this faith thing actually work in life when we're not gathered at a church service? Anybody ever wrestle with that question? Or is it just your pastor? No? Okay, fair enough. How does faith actually work? What we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is journeying as a, as a church family through the book of James. Looking at this idea that faith at work is the life of God for us. That faith at work actually means God wants to show up in places that are not a church building or a church service, but that there would be faith at your work. There would be faith in your home. There would be faith when you're hanging out with friends at a meal. That there would be faith at work in all the places and spaces of our life. That we would actually experience a faith in Jesus that works for our internal world. Sometimes the space closest to me can be the space I feel furthest from God. So what does it look like for faith to work behind the scenes of my own life? Behind the scenes of, you know, cuffed you know, sleeves and behind the scenes of hairsprayed hair and behind the scenes of smiles and social media posts. What does it look like for the faith of the living God to come and fill my life and my soul and to begin to work at spaces in like my daily action? That I have a faith at work in my daily activity, a faith at work in my family dynamics and relationships. What about at happy hour hangouts or dinner with friends or weekend trips away? What about a faith that works in the sorrow of our soul. See, I think that this life that God's calling us to is a life that we actually embody and that it's not something distant, but something that moves really, really, really close. That the love of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the scriptures and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God with us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that it would actually do a work in us in every part of our lives. Say every part. Some of you are like, no, some of the parts, the parts I choose. Here's the thing, here's, I, I just like super simple. 
if the love of God is good enough for you to embrace in one part of your life, man, it's good for every part. It's good for every part. And so what we're going to see today is that this idea that faith at work works inside out. This life of walking with Jesus is that a faith at work works inside out. And so if you want to join me, we're going to be in James 1. And what I believe, here's, here's kind of my overarching thought for today. We need an inside out way of living in a world full of chaos and confusion. We need an inside-out way of living in a world that's full of chaos and confusion. That we can begin to be invited into the life of Christ so that our day-to-day is not getting pushed from side to side by all the things swirling. That we don't wake up tomorrow morning confused about how we're going to face the day, about who we are and what's going to happen. That when all the chaos is breaking loose around us, we can be a people that follow Jesus in a posture of peace. Because Jesus promises to us in his word is that his peace he gives to us. You will have trouble. Everybody say trouble. Trouble. You will have trouble. Jesus says this. You will have trouble in this life, but take heart. There's actually a peace that he gives so we can be people who show up. Engaging the world from an inside-out faith. So James 1, verses 1 through 18. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. To the people of God, scattered across the globe to you to us greetings it's kind consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds no wonder he said greetings it's like that's where we're starting like he didn't even like butter us up a little bit no he's like Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. Let's read that together. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed 
is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Very important theological truth right here. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Let's read this next one together. Verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That's kind of hard to say, shifting shadows. Here you go. He chose. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. There is more here than I will get at in the next little bit. So we want to encourage you to read James with us for the next five weeks. Just read it a, a chap, that same chapter every day. Just read it over and over again. But today what I want us to see is this, is the, this it all hinges on this. Faith at work works inside out to produce maturity. Maturity. This is the call of the gospel. This is the hope of Jesus for all of us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit desire for followers of Jesus to become mature people, to have a mature faith. And what I know about this is that this is the most difficult thing. Because maturity is going to be lived in tension. Maturity is not something you ever finish or figure out fully because a mature person will continue to ask God for wisdom because the more wisdom they gain, the more they know God is still God and I am not. Maturity works itself out in a growing sense of humility. Humility that does not diminish with maturity, it increases with maturity. The love of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the love of my neighbor as myself does not get finished in maturity. It expands in maturity. Because it continues to call us into a dependence on God to walk with us every day. It continues to say, God, do more in me. You're not finished yet. Have your way. Come and produce maturity in me. Isn't James great? It's just comfortable. It's just like, you know, let your life be exactly where it is. No. He is calling us into the story of God. He is calling us into a redemptive work that God wants to do, which is beautiful and should be the most hope-filled thing we have to share with everybody around us. Look at what God is doing in me. He's doing more. And as maturity increases in us, this incredible thing happens. We get the fruit of the Spirit getting more tasty and more productive in our life. So we can look at verse 2, and it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Anybody had many trials in your life? 
much, right? So let's consider it pure joy. That's what we consider it, right? No? Here's what I love about what James is doing here. He's saying, let me give you a, a new way of seeing life. Let me give you a new meaning about what's happening in your life. Let me give you a new set of lens with which you look and see the world around you. Because you know, here's the thing, consider it pure joy because you know, internally, you know you are anchored that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I made it through that trial. I can make it through my next one. Make it through my next one. I'm becoming more mature. I'm becoming more anchored in the love of God that does not change. The character and heart of God that does not change. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is the abundant life. This is actually the life we all long for. And James is saying, look at how it comes. What I love about this moment is how many of you, I, 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 well, let me say it this way. Think about your life. Just think about where you're at. What James does for us here is he says this, faith at work is about maturity and completeness in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our completeness is not ever going to be realized on our own. So he's saying, come be connected to me. This is John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, which we just preached on. And he gives us a vision for transformation. God is saying there is a vision for your life, and it's a transformed life. There is a vision for your thoughts, and it's a transformed vision. There is a vision for you to experience more of God's kingdom than whatever you've experienced to this point. And you don't have to keep looking back to get to where it was because God's used all that to get you to where you are so he can call you further into a story of perseverance and hope, of mercy and joy, of completeness and wholeness that you know anything I lack, I ask God for it. And in maturity, I yield my life to God. And I walk through this how many of you think it's pure joy when you are getting absolutely pressed on every side? For those online, no hands went up. <laughs> See, there's this beautiful thing, mature and complete. Say mature and complete. You're, here's what you have to know. That is the target, and the only way we hit that target is to let God walk us towards it. Okay? This is not you meeting God at mature and complete. God is mature and complete. He comes and meets us. And then he says, let's walk together. Let's walk together. And then he says, it's pure joy and perseverance. Pure joy. Everybody, everybody would like pure joy. And then we're like, well, I don't want the perseverance part. <laughs> the kingdom of God is full of tension, and maturity is living in the tension. Maturity is saying yes to both. Yes, I want your joy, and yes, I will persevere. It's a vision, not just for transformation, but a vision for how we navigate. The way we navigate this life, the way faith works inside out, is every day I'm waking up going pure joy and perseverance. Pure joy and perseverance. God, whatever comes at me, I'm going to experience you, pure joy, and we're going to walk together, perseverance. 
So we have a vision for transformation. God, you long for me to be mature and complete. You long for my life to be abundant. It's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come. Jesus has come that you might have life and have it abundantly to the full. They're like, yeah. Like, come on. This is good news. Pure joy and perseverance gives us a way forward. And um, I, I, somebody said this recently, I think it was Bob Goff, in a, in a microwave culture, the kingdom of God keeps calling us to the crock pot. In a microwave culture, the kingdom of God keeps saying, crock pot. It's slow and it is steady and it's every trial. It's the next trial. Pure joy and perseverance. Pure joy and perseverance. It is not a shortcut around. It is a faith alive in me working inside out. So I translate and I give meaning to the world through the kingdom of God and the life of God in me looking out. Pure joy and perseverance gives us a way to navigate circumstances. Consider it pure joy. Consider it. Give thought to it. Give space and value to it. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. What I love about this is we is as I just see the life of Jesus in it. And I, I hear some of the other New Testament writers writing around this. When we consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, that is a totally different mindset. That is very counter to the culture in which we live. And it is a way of God's kingdom. So he's saying, look, I'm asking you to live differently. I want your life to be embodied in a different way of living and breathing and moving. And so we have to look at Jesus. Because Jesus disrupted all of the systems when he walked the earth. He moves into the neighborhood. He confounded the religious people. They were confused by him. He was disruptive to the irreligious because he called them to transformation. He called the religious to transformation. Jesus is calling all of us to transformation. And then listen to what it says about Jesus in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Maybe the writer of Hebrews, who we still aren't quite sure exactly who it was, hung out a little bit with you know, the community and James and writing here. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. If you want a faith that works outside of worship services and outside of small groups and outside of wherever it is, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Here's why. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It was joy that calls Jesus through the trial of the cross, through the trial of the crucifixion, through the trial of entering the grave, trusting his life to the Father. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, 
scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We persevere when we allow our life to get close to Jesus. When we understand everything we're going through, Jesus has gone through. The God we worship is the suffering servant. Acquainted with sorrow, acquainted with pain, with suffering, with trial. And you go, as I walk this trial, you say, Jesus, help me walk this trial because you have done it. And it was joy for you, so now I can consider it joy for me. Mature and complete, a vision for transformation. Pure joy and perseverance, a vision for how we navigate the circumstances of life. Another way to say perseverance is this. Perseverance is anchoring our life in God so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's the only way to persevere. The only way to persevere is to somehow have something calling you through the moment. Someone walking you through the dark night of your soul. Faith at work is actually allowing the living God to live inside you. That's the promise. He says, I will give my Holy Spirit to you. My presence will fill you, will empower you. If you read through Jesus' life, he was tested in the desert, and it says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness or led into the desert. I'm just trying to help us connect. Our faith life looks like Jesus' faith life. When you wake up tomorrow, it's not by your strength and power. It is not by your will. It is by your capacity to humble yourself and say, God, I need you. I lack. You do not. Come sustain me today. So I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, so that I can have a faith at work on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday at 2 a.m. when you're at your end. Verse 12 in this text says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is a test of loving connection and relationship. God, I'm yours. I need you. Walk with me. So we have a vision for transformation. We have a vision for how we can navigate the circumstances of our life. And here's where I want to finish. We have to have a vision for the spiritual battle. Do not be deceived. I am am confident of this. Since the beginning of the story of Scripture... Deception has been the issue. In the beginning, in Genesis, God creates. God is with Adam and Eve in the garden. And the spiritual battle was about being deceived. Did God really mean that? Did God really say that? 
And this is actually where the battle wages inside of us right now. Why would God do this to me? Why would God do this to me? Or God doesn't give us more than we can handle. Everything's more than we can handle. That's why we need God. Do not be deceived. Be free. Live empowered by the Spirit of God. Lack nothing. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights. Do not be deceived. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Do not be deceived. God does not change like shifting shadows. That's what it says. So then we have to step into the story and say, am I going to believe the character and the trustworthiness of God, or am I going to believe me? What I think about the world. This weekend, I had the privilege to engage in a, in a, a re- weekend retreat of spiritual transformation. And I was challenged by something every session. <laughs> every session. In the very first session in the call to transformation, it says this. Most people listen from a stance of, is this right or wrong? Do I agree or disagree with what is being said? Like right now, for the last series of minutes, you potentially are there filtering. Do I like what he said? Do I not like what he said? Do I agree with him? I don't know, Kurt. Maybe if your sleeves weren't rolled up, I might have believed what you said. Oh, I was so challenged by this. This kind of listening makes you the judge. This stance assumes that you already know everything necessary in order to discern the truth. We believe that even for the very mature in Christ among us, there are things that we don't know that we don't know. If you listen from the right-wrong, agree-disagree perspective, you close off the possibility that the Holy Spirit will give you revelation. The agree-disagree way of listening stands in the way of transformation. Oh, I was crushed. Because I think about how our culture lives. I agree with you, I move close to you. I disagree with you, I distance from you. Do not be deceived that God is at work and there is also a spiritual battle. There is an enemy. There are powers and principalities at work and they are preying on our internal dialogue. Do not be deceived. Anxiety is real. Depression is real. Thoughts of suicide are real. Do not be deceived that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that you might have life. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived that when you're tempted with evil, that God is the one putting you in that trial. That is not the way of God's kingdom. That is not the work of the Spirit. The Spirit leads us and guides us into truth and into wholeness and into righteousness and into goodness. It is the scriptures coming alive for us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and by God's grace when we preach on Sunday. Do not be deceived. 
Do not get hooked into stories you're not supposed to live under. Do not live under meanings that are not the meaning of God because he says he chose you. He chose us. He chose you because he loves you. Faith at work is maturity in my heart, my mind, and my soul so that I become the kind of person who will respond the way of Jesus. I want to read this to you because in this whole idea of not being deceived, this is sort of where I want to, I want to land and invite us to respond today. What, I, what I'm finding is interesting is this. We are more prone to say humans are good and God is not. That's the deception of the human heart in this day and time. That's a good person. Humans are good, God is not. I think this is a primary deception of the evil one. I think that was the, the deception in the garden. Oh, God's not good. He's holding out on you. Come. Come this way. We need to see God clearly. We see God clearly in Jesus. The scriptures account Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you love what you see in Jesus, you love what you see in God the Father. In the scriptures, we see ourselves clearly, and we need to see the evil one clearly. Jesus, we just preached on this in John 17. Jesus says, my prayer is you'll be protected from the evil one. So it's foolish for us to go through our day and have a faith at work that does not embrace the reality that there is something we need protection from. And this is not about sowing fear and that. No, I'm saying eyes open, wisdom alert, following Jesus. Our goodness is in the fact we are made in God's image. You are made in God's image. That is so important in the story. It's so necessary for us to understand that God loves you. You are the crown of the creation. And he made the choice to make you in his image, and he's saying, come, I chose you. Be in my family. Be in my family. Faith at work gives us birth into a new way of living. It should look different. It should be a different kind of fruitfulness in our life. It should be a different way of maturity than I would do on my own. Faith at work works inside out. Faith at work inside out. Our life cannot be whole if our internal world is immature and incomplete. Our life that we long to live will not be whole if our internal world is immature and incomplete. So what do we do? Well, if you lack, ask. If you lack, ask. If you want more faith, ask. If you want more wisdom, ask. If you need more in your life than what you're currently getting, ask. For the living God to come and take up residence 
to come and be close, to come and give you eyes to see and ears to hear. There's a few things that our team um, has been talking about. And here's what's really scary in this. Sometimes the scariest things to get honest about are the things that are in our own life that we already know but are so big and scary we like to avoid them. If you knew the thoughts in my head, that's where I lack. If you knew the fear in my heart, that's where I lack. If you knew the insecurity that can come up in my own soul, that's where I am yet to become fully complete. That's where I ask God for more maturity. The last two and a half years have given you every reason to have external circumstances tell you that you are not okay. With 99.9% accuracy, leaving room for the place I could be wrong, because I'm trying to grow humility of my heart, that is the way of maturity, with 99.9% accuracy in the last two and a half years, every human being has experienced their lack, their lack of faith, their lack of hope, their lack of control. I don't know, like lack of financial means. It, our weakness is the thing that unites us. And pressure, pressure reveals weakness. When we face trials, consider it pure joy because you're being invited to transformation. So we want to pray for you because here's, our team was talking and we just thought, there is a statistic that's really concerning to me. Anxiety among humankind is at its highest now. Higher now than in the first four to eight weeks of the pandemic when the world shut down. Anxiety and worry are higher now. Maybe that's you. And it's hard for you to have faith because the thoughts make no space and they work on you and they beat you up and you just think God is not here. God, if you were here, it would be different. The worry that you have about a key relationship in your life, the sorrow that you hold in your interior world, your interior world is not a safe place for you right now. When it gets quiet and you get still, you have to face things you don't want to face. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come and meet you today. God cares for the interior of your heart. God cares for your mind. God wants that to be a place of vibrancy and life and wholeness. And your soul, like the inside, your inside world, would be a place of peace in a world that is not. So right there where you're sitting, I want you to just take a minute and think about what you need. Do you struggle with anxiety? Do you carry the weight of depression? 
Have you felt confused? God wants to come and meet you today. God, give us a faith at work that's inside out. Give us a faith that calls us to maturity in you. And as we just, as we just kind of take a minute, we just ask that you would give us the humility to not know it all. The humility to receive from you today. Come Holy Spirit, you are... You are the promised presence of God here. And we know that your heart is to care for us and to lead us and guide us into truth. And your word is truth, God. And it says, Jesus is the word made flesh. God, you chose to give us birth through the word of truth. You gave us birth into your family through Jesus. So for anyone here today who's been struggling with faith, we ask that you would just give it to them. They would know it's you. They would know they're experiencing you right now. This is new to you. One of the reasons we do this is we believe that in the scriptures, Jesus met people. The Old Testament is the presence of God with the people of God meeting and providing and and we believe God, that's what God wants to do today. It's a community of imperfect people who need a perfect God. And so when we create some space to wait, it's just to practice that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to stand. If you are here today and you, you've been exploring faith, but you would say, I have not had a faith that welcomes God into every part of my life, and I would like to try that. I would like faith in Jesus to be the thing that, that, t that tells me and teaches me everything about life, I'm going to invite you to respond with faith today to Jesus. And all it is is this. It is, it is you, God, know me, and you want to have a relationship with me, and I want to walk with you through this life. I want to walk with you, God. If you've been struggling with anxiety, depression, like the weight, your interior world, I, I don't know how to describe this any other way than your, your internal experience, your thought life, your emotional life, it has just felt, uh, yeah, it's felt unsafe, it feels damaging to you, it feels discouraging to you, it feels hopeless, we want to pray for you today. And I realize like, that could be a really scary thing to respond to, but we just have, this is our story, this is what we go through. I, I remember a time in work where the phone would ring and I had so much anxiety inside of me, I could not bring myself to answer the phone. That does not mean you should have more faith. It means you are human and we say, God, I need you here. My faith calls me to cry out to you. My faith calls me to cry out to you because I need you. There is grace for whatever you're experiencing. And the last thing is this. If you have felt confused or have really been struggling with deception, like you've just felt deceived, or somebody deceived you, and it's made it really hard. We want to pray for you, okay? So I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing, and while I'm praying that prayer of blessing, if all of our small group leaders, staff, small, you know, you'd come right down here. We want to have our prayer ministry teams. Just make yourself available. You see there are people that are, and we'll stay and pray as long as we need to. 
This is the long journey. One message, I'm not that good. God is that good, I'm not. So just read James this week. Let the Holy Spirit keep speaking to you. We are going to share a resource with you out of the YouVersion Bible app. There is a 12-part study by Francis Chan on the book of James. We would encourage you to use that as a devotional this week and over the next five weeks. So Jesus, we trust every person to you. We know that you are good. The scriptures are so clear. You are good. You are the giver of life. You give good gifts. Where we need you, we say come. We humble ourselves in your presence, and we need you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Give us a faith that works internally. Give us a faith that informs our inside-out way of living, that we would be people of peace and hope everywhere we go. We bless your community in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.